run free, your heart run free, your heart run free, your heart run free, your heart run free. Welcome to season nine, episode three of the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. We are into autumn, and we're going to speak about all things autumnal very, very soon. I'm John Cassidy, but I'd like to welcome my friend and co-host, Mr. Stephen Watt. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm okay, John. I am good. Thanks for that wonderful introduction. Autumn is upon us. It is. I've had a discussion at work this week. Uh-huh. Autumn, autumn wreaths are a thing. A thing I never knew existed before. I've seen two of them this week in my hood. Autumn wreaths. I never used to see them where I used to live, but it's a thing. So... Um, and it's just a nice reminder that the seasons are, well, not either, it's a bit colder too. However, mm-hmm. this brings me to mind of a number of things. And I'm going to start off with this new Adidas shoe that's come out, Stevie Boy. Because we know we're a pair of schwankers, right? But there's a new shoe on the horizon that's come out. It's an expensive NT, isn't it? Aye, it's even eye-wateringly expensive through my lens. Mm, mm. It's uh, Megabucks. Do we need to speak about it or do we need to patch this bit? Well, I think we need to speak about it. I think um, we'd, be, we'd be doing folk a disservice if we didn't. Aye, definitely. As running shoes have went through their evolution, let's call it an evolution, we've what? went We've went from wearing jimmies all the way back. Maybe that's a dialect dictionary pair thing, jimmies. Sannies. Sannies. We're a pair of sannies to the the new, oh, well, probably the latest thing is the carbon plate, isn't it? That's the latest thing that's going to. Super um, shoes. Super shoes. Yeah. Super shoes for super schwanks. Yeah. Adidas have brought out this new, shoe that i'm trying to find out the cost of actually <laughs> well you could just ask me ah well you go for it man let's talk about it it's well, the adios pro evo one is the name of the shoe yeah aye they've leveled up a little bit from their current carbon plate offering and this is um 500 squids worth boy, man. of um research science evolution and call it what you want into this particular new model which is designed for well i think it's been directed towards the more elite end of the market and Mm. people who are looking for the optimal performance shoe to get that seconds shaved off their say marathon time Um, uh, there's no many of them getting made or made available and I've, so, oh, see, so is it being targeted at that elite end? You would think so, with that kind of dough, eh? Aye, aye. Well, I've obviously ordered a couple of pairs. Um, <laughs> you know, one in reserve. <laughs> they, were, they were peppering my inbox, getting me being elite and stuff. So, um, no, that is, um, and it's, I think the concerning part is the way that they're marking it as in the lifespan, and that'll, hey, the heckles were a lot of folk up and I, I get it. I get it. Why? As in as in one race plus familiarization. 
that's it. One race plus familiarisation. Now, if that race happens to be a 500-mile long race, and that familiarisation period happens to be two, 300 miles, that's one thing. But I'm thinking familiarisation is maybe a 10k, and then a race is a marathon, which gives Aye. the sort of expected lifespan of that shoe being as effective and fresh and bouncy around about no much more than 30 miles. Mm. For 500 sweat. What a do. That is a holiday for me, by the way. 500 quid. That's Two a holiday. Ah, definitely. That's your away days in your Champions League, man. That's aye. what that is. Um, so aye. So, that's that. That's Adidas. So, and yeah, the adios. I raise it. Say, say adios to your dough is, oh. is the crack that's coming for me. But um, for those who subscribe to our Patreon content, Stevie Boy will be putting a pre sale code. In there, so um, you can maybe save yourself a few bob by doing that. Now, <laughs> well, we <we've> buggery, yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll split opinion, so yeah, and, oh, aye, and that's what happens. Go. That's what happens, and in six months' time, Obdi will be wearing them because they'll bring you a, a maybe a level doing a wee bit of a price savings aye. for the masses, you know. So, they're no dafties, money making nah, businesses. Yeah. They came with their den. Now, I wonder how many folk in the Mexico marathon were wearing your adios, Adidas shoes. <laughs> 11,000 folk disqualified for the old cheating, man. What's going on? Well, they are <laughs> jumping in a car. I tell you, man, Mel Sykes would hear disaster with that, with folk jumping in traffic and vehicles and all that sort of carry on. What was the field size? Was it like 30,000? 33,000. Okay, a so third. one third of the starters cheated. <laughs> got, got disqualified for cutting. cutting I don't know. I don't know how strict they were with cutting corners, or but no, I think they were getting on public transport. They were getting on scooters, getting on mopeds. What do you call the wee things that go about tuk tucks? Getting on tuk tucks, man. I love Asia. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, we kind of those little e-scooters that you get in bigger cities. Aye, jump on them. <laughs> <laughs> jumping on them and I think um, was it GPS data that's undone them aye definitely obviously on their Strava or whatever it is their Garmin Connect or, whatever. or they weren't going over timing chip mats or something like that Ken, so they aye. could easily see wait a minute like oh that person's not done it and you could just imagine them looking at the data going oh neither's that person and going oh no Houston we have a <laughs> Houston <laughs> we have a <laughs> 11,000 disqualified Phenomenal. I think they've all got their medals, eh? Aye. <laughs> Photo's done, bib number. Hey. If so, you happen to be one of those 11,000 and you want to report in to Young Hearts Run 3, then give us a shout. Give us a shout. We'll get you on. We See will. how get it for your side. Now, super shoes, marathons. Eating. It, it, eating, aye. It's no. buts. Eating, <laughs> that's who my focus is. But also, we are into some of the major marathons happening, aren't we? This weekend is Berlin, isn't it? Sure so, is. Berlin Marathon this Sunday. Kipchoge on the starting line. Kipchoge's there. There's a few people we know are going to be going across, a few listeners going across. I was speaking to Lonike at the Octave Running Festival. She's gone back. She's a multiple Berliner. Uh, going back to do the Berlin Marathon again. And I know, has Angie Donald just got her nails done? 
as well. Aye, there's a wee contingent for five-star run club in Orkhorada heading uh-huh. over. Um, yeah. Three or four of them, and they will be flying the flag for the Langton. Definitely. So, well, but, good luck to them all. Can't yeah, wait it, to see the Insta flurry. Yeah, if you are doing the Berlin Marathon, um, and you're a listener, tag us in in your social media, and we'll be interested to see how, how you go on. So good good luck to everybody that's doing that. And then closer to home, mm-hmm. let's just we'll drop down a level a wee bit. The Scottish Half Marathon's happening in Edinburgh this Sunday. Good luck to everybody that's taking part in that as well. Good and have a have a great day. You've trained for it, so just good and leather it, man. John says drop down a level. I say leveling up. Oh well, there you go. There you go. We can go with that. We can roll with that. But then I'm. Well, then I was going to go. Mm-hmm. We're going to take it back up a level, because coming up soon is Chicago, Ooh. isn't it, Stevie? Yeah, there is. We've kind of no mentioned that, and it's sneaked up pretty sharpish. Aye. Well, every time I've mentioned that, you've moved on to other things. But we will be we will be dedicating at least one full length episode to Chicago probably two because there'll be a review as well probably do that as well okay. so the the hairy toys been packed yet or is it still in your sock drawer it's on the flatway in the spare room <laughs> oh brilliant the flatway is taking shape I love it yeah so aye that's 8th of October and um, yeah the it'll herald the accumulation of Stevie Boy's shortest ever marathon training block. So more on that later. Well, I know that people people are keen to find out. So what we're trying to say to folk is we've not forgot about it. That content is coming very, oh, very soon. And then, and then Haunt in the Hills of Chicago is New York as well. You yeah, know. First, first Sunday in November, I think. New York, it'll be the, the fifth. Yes, it will be, yeah. And, and autumn major marathon season is upon us. It most definitely is. And it's exciting times because you've got, you've obviously, you've got your Londons and your Tokyo stuff that happens at the start of the year. This is the sort of other end and it's as exciting. A lot of people will be picking up their, potentially their first, but a lot of folk will be picking up their second, third, fourth, fifth, maybe sixth major star. So, so it'd be accompanied by a seventh by the soon <laughs> that's on the horizon but more on that in a future episode of Young Hearts Run Free um, we should give a shout out about our Jedburgh prize you have got one week left to get your um, rainbow themed image into either our DMs just post it anywhere, Instagram, Twitter or send us it uh, via DM or for the a good scalp of entries, some very uh, thoughtfully designed entries have come in. And thank yeah. you all for those that have entered so far. But we'll be making that draw, probably do that next week's episode. And that then that will then give us a month before Jedburgh to let the race organizers know and get everything sorted out. So you've got a week. You've got a week left to do that. Oh. Where are we, John? We are Anything else on our um, heavily stacked agenda? Can I see if we show a race or not? <laughs> <laughs> this is an unexpected surprise. 
<laughs> Your thumbs up, stepper, get that playing in the back. Oh man, what a tune that! That went down a storm, right? So, the chase of the moon, twelve hours. It happens in the Highlands Ranch in Colorado. It's a perfect race for night owls and stargazers alike. Begins at sunset on Friday and finishes just after sunrise the next day. It's a 12-hour solo or relay race that covers a 10.3-mile loop along the rolling hills of the Highlands Ranch in the backcountry wilderness area. The Chase the Moon, 12 hours. Sign me up. So you've got to commit, race or not. What's on the buffet table? That's not in the course description. This is a race. This is, this is a race, Stephen. Well done. Yep. Well done. Chase the moon. Chase the moon 12 hours. Event organisers, if you're listening and you're needing a wee bump up of your numbers, then we're more than happy to come on an all expenses paid trip over to the back country. In Colorado. We belong there, man. We belong there. I've always supported Colorado. <laughs> Ever since I was a boy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Next up in our second of three options, try some LSD. That's long, slow distance, Stevie Boy. It's shit. <laughs> 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 now, let me finish. It's in Woodstock. There's a 5K, a 10K. A half marathon, a marathon distance. Camp out on the land and set your soul free. From the flower power five mile to the hallucination 100. A celebration of freedom and fitness. <laughs> the older, fully aided run course. Finishers can expect peace sign medals and other hippie swag. Oh, that's other bullshit. <laughs> that's from the that's from the mind of John Cassidy. That's not a race. It is a race. It is. is man. Try some LSD. It is oh sign me up. Is it Woodstock? So that's an America tea. So one all. One is a race. One is not a race. Oh man. The clincher. Beer miles. No, no, beer miles, more smiles, but don't shit yourself, right? Beer mile races are famous for the gas and the beer playing havoc with your stomach. But here in Northampton, we have got friendly beer to ease your fears. Come wear your shorts and enjoy the party. What's the distance? A beer mile? 10k. Not a race. <laughs> that is not a race. Well done. I, I fucked that by saying it's a 10k. It's beer mile. <laughs> I like my wee test. Oh man. Of oh, course, I'm so... looking at John on a video call here, so I can see his lying eyes. <laughs> you can hide. <laughs> oh, there's eagles, man. Brilliant. Oh, we'll add that to the playlist as well. Right. Okay. Thanks, John. Man. That was a was that a two-one victory for me. It was a two-one victory. Right. You're okay. well in. You're well up in the league championship. Oh, uh, race or not? It's like a sparring about this race or not. So I'll be back with some race or nots for John very soon. I'm not going to tell you when, but no, just come. It's great. 
It's great when they appear, man. I love it. I absolutely love it. Right, we should maybe introduce this week's guest. And it's a wee, it's, it's a episode with a wee bit of a difference, isn't it, Stephen? It has a twist. And it's mm. a, for me, it's a positive one. Um, because I'm no featured in it. <laughs> <laughs> Folk will probably be on their long runs listening just now doing recap wheels in the street. Yes. <laughs> there they are, there that boy. Get him in. Eh? So no, um, I unfortunately wasn't able to join in the chat. So I'm going to hate the actual pleasure of listening listening to content that I've never heard for this week as well. So I can't wait for that. I've not listened to it yet. No had a upper chance so John was at the, well, he was in the pilot seat and the co-pilot seat this week, which I'm hugely appreciative of. And um, yeah, do you want to say a wee bit about this week's guest? Yeah, I'm more than happy to. We spoke, I say we, and I refer to we in the episode because we are a we, and that's how we roll. Um, we had the pleasure to speak with Nick Dawson. Nick Dawson runs, kept me our attention over social media by she runs Epic Trails, which is a um, it's a fantastic website that we'll link in the show notes with all sorts of information. But there's also guided trail runs as well. Nick has a brilliant backstory that she shares magnificently well. It's For me, it's all about being faced with adversity and overcoming that, injury overcoming that. And it's about that positive mindset that can do and then the phrase that jumped out at me when speaking to Nick was two words and the two words were why not and I think when you've got that in your mind she's an inspirational person I say that in the episode as well so you're going to hear quite a lot of me a lot for Nick and not so much for Stevie Boy so but as Stephen said he's going to get the pleasure of listening to this on his, one of his runs as well. So I hope you enjoy this time with Nick and you're going to hear a different kind of intro as well because I say that in the intro too. So here it comes. Anyway, enjoy. This episode is going to be a wee bit different and by that I mean it's just going to be me, JC and the guest, Nick Dawson because Stevie Boy isn't here this week. We said season nine was going to be a wee bit different and here we go. So I'm going to just crack on and say, welcome to Young Hearts Run Free. Nick Dawson, how are you doing? I'm doing brilliant. Thanks so much for having me on, John. Oh, it's our pleasure. I'm going to speak like there's two of us because Stevie Boy's with me in spirit. He's always here. Now, we've got lots to speak about. But what we always like to do is to set a bit of context around who we're speaking to. We will speak. I'm going to give a wee plug right up front about Epic Trails, Nick is behind Epic Trails, but let's get a bit of context behind Nick Dawson. So Nick, your wee intro about your running history, over to you. Thanks, John. I'll probably say I'm one of those folk that's always been a bit of a runner as a child. I'm just one of those people that was always into sport. So my running, it doesn't seem to suddenly appear, it just kind of naturally, you know, I was the child that's running around, playing on the bike, usually found me at the tennis courts. And then started getting into running at school. I suppose my first race, I remember it being a mile and a half run. And I remember training for it, running around the block twice, coming in, sticking my head under the sink like I was just about to die. And then going up to co-winning for this race, running around and I got my medal. And that was just amazing, this medal that I got. 
and I suppose that was the first thing that got me into maybe more competitions. Um, I then did a bit of the um, schools cross country and really enjoyed that. And I always remember at PE when exams were on, because you obviously couldn't do your PE in the exam halls. What they did um, at my school was they sent you running around the block three times. Now, the block was approximately <laughs> one kilometre three times. I pretty quickly worked out that the quicker you run, the quicker you get it finished. So that's what I did. And I was one of those ones first back in the changing rooms, just loud afterwards getting ready. And there were some that were, were not. They think they nearly missed the next period because of it. And then, as I said, got into school cross country. And for those of you that are from Ayrshire, this will resonate a lot. Irvine, the sand dunes, early mm. kind of the year, battering the wind, running the sand in your blooming school gym, knickers and shorts and all oh, tops. It was never pleasant, but you still went back and did it again. And I suppose that's what kind of started me into the whole running thing. And then when I was 17, just before it's kind of leaving school, one of the folk that I knew was doing the Glasgow Half Marathon. And I kind of quite liked them. So I thought that would be a good idea to do that too. Because I thought they're doing it. Oh, look, I can run this half marathon too. Really, it wasn't a good idea. I think I did nearly die. But I made it. I did it. And I just kind of kept going. So, you know, into uni, still always be found up at Glasgow Uni in the Stevie building. That's where I was always found hanging around there. And then that got me into doing, again, why not? Because that's kind of a bit like me. Age 21, let's just go and do London. And I seemed to get a ballot place. So I then did London. But I wasn't running, like, it wasn't with clubs or anything like that. I just decided to go and do it. I think it was crippled after that. But again, well, let's just keep going. Let's just see what happens. Um, and then I did London again at 23. But about then was, I suppose, like injury that I had. So what happened was before London, I was out training. Just the usual. I wasn't on a training plan apart from the one that you probably got out of, you know, the local London Marathon magazine that you would have got at that time because you didn't have internet. Because I'm, I'm quite old and that's like... 20 something years ago so it was the London the magazine that you got or whatever you got in the runner's world and that was the plan you were going to take I'm saying that I'm not that old I'm only 43 but it feels like a while ago um and I remember running and something wasn't right in my foot and I was like something you know I was like right I stopped and then you know a couple of weeks later something still wasn't right I was like right I'm going to go to the hospital get this checked out so I went to the hospital they're like didn't even x-ray it Oh, soft tissue, just rest it, you'll be fine. All right, okay. So I thought, I'll go see a physio. Physio was to say, right, yeah, you've definitely pulled some stuff, just strap it up, run and don't run on uneven ground. I'm take breathing and it'll get better. So I was like, right, okay, I'll do what they tell me to do. It's not, it's not that bad. Did London. I was 23 to 2003. And so after London Marathon, I was feeling, you know, I was feeling knackered. Um, but I thought, you know, that's just, that's just the way the foot is. It's just a bit sore, my body's sore. Everything kind of got back to normal. And then it was, that was April, in the September, I was out running and I felt and heard something snap. I was like, this isn't good. So what I did was I hobbled my way for approximately, I say, a kilometre to the nearest Asda, where there was one of those free taxi phones. So I used the free taxi phone to get a taxi to get me home, to then go, all right, okay, still isn't good. I think I might need to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital, x-ray, you've broken your foot, great. 
So they had to give me a pair of um, paper trousers to get home in and my leg in plaster. That was a great start. It was not good <laughs> at all. So it was my fifth mate at Tarsal. So I was like, well, right, like, right, probably six weeks. You'll be fine back out. It wasn't six weeks. It turned out that it didn't like to heal because it was a stress fracture. That's probably what it started was maybe if the day extruded it way back at the start, they might have found mm. it. They didn't. Five months, it still wasn't, it was just wasn't healing. It was not knitting together. So I was down there, a plaster on crutches, everything. And eventually, like, right, we're going to have to operate on it. So they were supposed to pin it and bone graft it. But they went in and they said, actually, we can just bone graft it. Great. So eventually got better. Starting to get back to doing things. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I played a lot of tennis. I was practicing my serve on the court. I tripped over my foot and I was like, something's not right. Again, gave it a couple of days, back to the hospital. They're like, you, it's broken again. Oh, man. So I was like, oh, no. So again, didn't want to heal. So then they had to pin it this time. And they're like, oh, that'll get you back to normal. You should be able to run. You should be able to do anything. I could run for 10 minutes and I was in so much pain. So eventually, this is like three years, third operation happened and the pin got taken out. So after that, I kind of did go back to doing things, but you know what way I was always then like so cautious. Mm-hmm. So I was told never going to be able to run like a big distance. So I was like, right, I'll run up, you know, the 10 Ks, things like that. And that's actually what I stuck to. It was just the 10 Ks. I got into a lot of cycling. I was always playing tennis, go to the gym. But it's just recreation, I suppose, just keeping fit. But I was like, I'm never going to be able to do any more than that. But obviously, people that do know me know that kind of slightly changed in later years. And see, well, what I'm going to say to that is I love the, the use the phrase, why not? I love that. Why not do that? So your pal's doing a half marathon and then going out to do a marathon. And doing a doing London marathon at 21, that's quite young to be cracking on and doing a, that sort of full distance. So I mean, that's brilliant as well. But way before that, and I was interested when you said co-winning, because we hadn't discussed where you came from. But during Ayrshire, and you're doing whole training on these sand dunes at a very early age, which is putting you in a good stead for what's what's to come in the future, you know? Yeah, didn't I remember. Me off that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, that, that's a tough gig going up and doing sand dunes, man, because it's just leg sapping, isn't it? You know? So oh, yeah. There's something I'm already sensing about you. I mean, you were saying is that when the doctors or the surgeons had said, uh, you maybe shouldn't what you shouldn't think about running. That was like a sort of red rag to a bull. I'm sensing, was it? Oh yeah, I'm like, what? You told me I can't do something. I can do something. I can definitely. <laughs> if I can't do one thing, I can definitely do something else. And I suppose that probably came to fruition. What happened to me more recently in my more recent accident? Because I'm one of these people. See if I'm going to do something, I do it well. It's not yeah. just a little injury. It's a it's a big one. Um, which obviously came more recently in my younger years right so let's set the scene because we're going to go on and speak about ultra running and we did speak a wee bit about this pre-recording as part of the young hearts run free world famous thorough research that we do like it was like a 15 second chat but you said that to me that you're you're quite happy to speak about your accident and describe what had happened there so do you want to do you want to do that what was happening running wise before the accident where were you then yeah so what happened was obviously I just kind of get into my kind of rehab of just running my 10 15 k's and eventually it would have been to end of 2017 and 2018 and 
Obviously, I've moved from Ayrshire and I now live in Mulgay. So, as we all know, the heart of the and the home of the start of the West Island Way. Yeah. So, I've always seen all these races from the West Island Way. People are always on the West Island Way. I did running on the West Island Way. And then there was this thing that came up called the Highland Fling on the West Highland Way. So I was speaking to a mate that was coaching, who was coaching me at the time, so that was Matt Hunter of Hunterfit. And I was like, Matt, do you think I could run the West, the Highland Fling? He's like, you've got the fitness. The only issue we had at that time was, will the foot hold up? We don't know. Yeah. We've not tested it. We've not done anything to that level for many, many years. So I was like, right, okay. Um, so got, I managed to enter it, got my place. I was like, right, let's just see what happens. So my longest training run before that, before the fling, was the um, lock action. Um, oh, yeah. Marathon. So I did yeah. that as much as much as my longest training run. And it was the day when we had mini beasts from the east that descended on it. And I ran the whole thing with my lily hat on my head. Everyone laughed at me at the start, but at the end they all wanted my hat. I'm like, I'm not daft. Um, so that was really the first one. And really that probably should have been the last one because I ran that one. And what's amazing, my kids at the time were a lot younger than they are now. And they ran down the red carpet with me. It was absolutely amazing. Loved it. Couldn't get out the showers afterwards. I did actually have to be helped down those steps. I then, on the way back down the road, that I blame my husband's driving down the lock side, but he did have to stop twice for it because I was not well. And then no, I can walk for about a week afterwards. And I'm never doing that ever again. I'm never doing it. Why did I do such a thing? That was just, but I've done it. Never doing it again, as we all say. Yeah. And then obviously, yeah, I decided to enter the next year and do it again. So that was it. Planning was actually, I was getting a better training plan. It was all focused, all going well for 2019. Um, two weeks before it, or just under two weeks before it, I was cycling into the office because I usually cycle, um, commute by bike. About less than a kilometre from the office. Let's just see bike versus car accident. So bike into me and ambulance. Me sort of going, hmm, this isn't looking too good. They mentioned at the time, oh, you know, the risk could be broken, but they don't think so, but you never know. So they took me to the hospital. Um, they only x-rayed one of my wrists at that point. They're like, right, your left wrist broken. The right one didn't seem too bad. So this was the Monday. They said, orthos will contact you the next day. So the Tuesday, got a phone call from orthos. Can you come in and see us? At this time, my, my right one wasn't feeling the best. So I'm in to see them. They said, your left's really not good. I want you to get... I can't remember, the MRI or CT or one of those fancy scan things. And then they said, right, we'll also x-ray your right wrist to see how that's looking. So I came back, the right wrist was broken too. So on the Wednesday, I got whatever my funky scan was. On the Thursday, I was taken into theatre with an operation on both wrists. And on the Friday, um, good old Sean Stone phoned me up to say, as I'm flying the hospital bed, you're not running the fling, you know that, next week. I was like, I've worked out by now I'm not running the fling. <laughs> so, yeah, I got home on the Friday with both arms in plaster going, hmm, this is not a good idea. Um, so that was basically what happened. I ended up volunteering at the fling um, just at the start because I wanted to do something. I was like, I need to do something with it. Um, so I really went down to the start and helped try to direct people. But I couldn't really get my arm in a jumper. I couldn't really hold anything. But at least just being there and being part of it was to me the main thing. Yeah. And from there, I kind of it's taken many years. So quite literally, 
I think from the start, the doctor must or consultant must have got so frustrated for me. When can I run again? You can't run now. What can I do? You can't do it. Can I go to the gym? Not yet. And then eventually, um, people still laugh at me. I used to get the train from the house down to the gym. I'd go to the gym where I'd sit on the reclining bike because husband wouldn't let me on an upright bike, pedaling away just so I could do something and then I'd walk all the way home just to keep me busy because otherwise I was getting so frustrated. And then eventually, once my first lot of plasters went down to kind of more splints, the doctor was like, you need to run for your mental well-being rather than physical. So just to kind of keep me going. So that was the first operation. The rest, the right wrist was actually not too bad, um, but the left wrist, um, the technical word of buggered probably is about right for what it is. Right, okay. So they had to put wires in to try and see if the ligaments would reattach. When they took the wires back out, because that was the second operation, they didn't, unfortunately. So from when the, it happened, all I kept seeing was race Spanish, another race off the calendar I was supposed to do, another race off the calendar I was supposed to do that I couldn't do. And I went on like that for a while. Um, I'd also, I think I might have mentioned earlier, I'd also coached tennis. That's something I'd done since uh, I was like at uni. This is a hobby because I love coaching. But I'm left-handed and it was the left wrist that got the brunt of it. So right. I've actually not held a racket or played since because I can't. Um, so I was like, well, what else can I do as well from that side? So eventually I got back to running. And the first ultra I did from that was, and a lot of people remember, the devil in 2019 when the heat wave hit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the first one I got back to doing. And again, my, heart, my wrist went in splints doing it. And I remember, because I wasn't at my fittest, um, and I got out the top of Kinloch even, and I sat in a rock, and let's just say I had the biggest hissy fit in the world to myself. I was just, I had to give myself a good talking to because the heat, uh, just the fitness, it was just not the best. But eventually I picked myself up and got myself sorted and got myself moving. And that's when I was like, right, I'm not letting this get me down. I'm going to do something about it um, with the wrist. So I decided that was it. And I know we're probably going to come on to this later, but that's when I decided, right, I'm going to go for the rest of the Because why not? I'll, show, I'll, I'll, I'll just decide that. All the risk, the risk can just deal with it, and I can do something even bigger than I've done before because mm. I'm stupid. Why not? Well, yeah, that's it. That. I'm like, yeah. why, why not? Why can't I do these <laughs> now, things? I can do these things. I'll just do go them. On, go and tell me the month. When was the accident? April. 2019. Yeah. And you did the devil in 2019, which is yeah. normally what is that? August. S- August. Yeah. Jeez, old man. That's only about six months. Even six months. To yeah. turn that around what was your headspace like after the accident obviously you've got to deal with the trauma the pain and all that sort of stuff but what was it like thinking about because you're just a bit there at the Higgins fling again aren't you you're just a bit ready to run that again so yeah. what was it like it was about meant- 12 days before it and I think I was just like first I was like I'm doing it because I was like oh wrists aren't that bad I can run it with a splint on and as the week went on I was like this is just not happening yeah and then I suppose it then I got reality right this one isn't happening but I think what was worse was as it was going on and we were working out how bad the ax- the injury was that I was losing more and more races I was just ticking more off the calendar that I just wasn't going to get to do yeah. and that became quite disheartening so I'm like oh I should be there today and you know it's like on Facebook you see people posting about races you're like I should have been at that one I should have been yeah. at that one yeah oh there's another one I should have been doing 
and you get so frustrated about it. But on that, there'll be a lot of people in the same position, the people right now who uh, are not making races and they're cancelling them and they're feeling crap about it and how will I... It's like the world's finished. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I think what we're going to go on and speak about is that it is day, really. It may feel like it, but it is day. That recovery and that from your accident, because then you just go over the wrist thing, because that will then, it stops you running as normal, you know, and you've you're, and you're described about up and out of Kinloch leaving and the sore wrists. How, can I ask how are your wrists now? How do they feel now? Oh, I had a third operation since and my left one's never going to get better. It's only going to get worse over time. So I know I will have future op- I will have a future operation and at some point, but it's just when we just don't know yet. So right. yeah, I'm never gonna be I'm never gonna be back to normal. So you're never gonna hold a racket again, do you think? No, never gonna hold a racket. Okay, so you haven't done that. How much did tennis play a part of your life? I coached. I played. Mm-hmm. I was the club champ, um, club captain for the team. So I team, I was team captain for many years, and say coach played in championships. I was playing a good couple of times a week. So really, tennis was more my focus than anything uh-huh. else. The rest was just what I liked to do as a kind of a hobby. So when that suddenly went, everyone's like, "Well, oh, you could learn to play with your other hand." I'm like, "No, I can't do that because then I get so frustrated because I knew the level I could play at, and I yeah. was playing at." And then I'd have to drop down and learn again. And to me, I was like, actually, do you know what? I'm just going to park it. I'm just going to deal with it. But no, I can't do it. As much as I would love to, I know I can't. And I'm going to look for something different to do. And at that point, I'd already been starting out in triathlon. Um, really, I'm not a, a good swimmer. When I started triathlon, I was like, front crawl was just not happening because I actually put my head underwater and breathe. And my daughter is a fish. That's all she does. <laughs> right, so okay. when you've got a fish living in the family, he just goes, Mummy, you can't do that very well. You're like, okay. So I was just starting to try that before um, my accident because I can run and I can cycle. Those are the two things I've always done, but I'm not very really good at swimming. And then I was like, well, if I can't coach tennis, and I love coaching, I love helping people, helping to develop and get into the sport and then progress to whatever they want to do. So I was like, well, what can I do? I was like, well, actually, I can retrain and requalify as a triathlon coach. So that's actually what I did. Um, I did my level two triathlon course and qualified. So now I take a coach with Glasgow Tri Club, but I really do the running sessions because that's the ones that I like to do. And I, all, I do them every week for the club mm-hmm. um, to get into kind of helping other people come through and develop their running. So whether or not they're just, some people come just for running because they like to run. Some people will go to all the sessions it's up to them but that's how I thought well if I can't do one thing what else can I do and that's why I'm always going it was a turning point of what I was then going to focus on and what what's now come about which wouldn't have come about if it hadn't been for the accident yeah didn't he start gonna start telling me you're thankful that all that happened and all that carry on right but but, you know (laughs) what you are describing though is a great a great example of resilience and for want of a better term bounce back ability you know there is there is something else to do and I, and I often see people at races with the Glasgow try vests on you know and you just said that some of them maybe running is the strongest discipline but they'll do other things as well now you did mention a few things about the hallowed ground of the West Highland Way and that you you 
you've positioned yourself at the start of the West Island Way. But before I interrupted you, and we've been off on a wee, I took you off on a wee different tangent, you said that you were going to do the West Highland Way, the full race. So let's go back to the end of 2019, dreams and aspirations, what was happening? I decided that was it. I'm doing the West Highland Way, I'm doing the Triple Crown, I'm doing everything in 2020, because that was just, I've got to prove to myself, I don't know why, but I had to prove to myself I was better and I was over the injury. I know I'm not, but in my little head, that was what I was thinking. So I entered it all and I had all my places. I was all lined up for it all for 2020. And I think we all know what happened in 2020. COVID hit. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, after 20, 20, 2019 being ruined because of an accident, COVID hit 2020, which took out lots of races. So I did the virtual West Helen Way race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, right, everything either was getting rolled over into 21. Right, 21, that's it. I'll do it in 21. Well, we all know COVID kind of that year too. So like, right, 22. And by this point with the West Highland Way race, they'd said, we're just going to refund everyone. You've got to go into the ballot. Fine. I went into the ballot. I never got a place. Not happy. <laughs> Not happy at all. But I did made, make the top 30 who would then possibly get a roll down. Mm. So. That was when, oh my goodness, that was a wait and a half, I have to say. First, January the 1st, have I got a place? Nothing came through. January the 2nd, have I got a place? Nothing came through. You could see the tension was building there, have I got a place? I can feel the tension there. It was not good. <laughs> and I was like, it must have been the 3rd or the 4th. I was up running and mugged it. And suddenly the email came through and I stopped because I was actually going, you've got a place. And it was like, I've got my place, I can do it. That was like the biggest, I think it was messaging all my friends from Mugdick, the, the run of base and pause. I think people everywhere could see this massive smile on my face. I was like, I've got in, I've got to do my race. So that was it. Um, last year is when I decided I was going to do the Triple Crown. Okay, right. Well, you know what? You've sort of brought us a wee bit full circle because you said you did the virtual West Highland Way race. So did Stephen and I, and that's the reason we started this podcast. Yes. So there you go. So thank you very much for letting me tell everybody that again, because um, <laughs> it's a special thing. That virtu- virtual West Highland mm-hmm. Various was one of the things, it might have actually been the, f- the first thing that I did after the, the pandemic, because I've got a great affinity with the West Highland Various. Both Steve and I have got, we love that trail. Yeah, so it was quite appropriate. But Triple Crown, I've never done that, neither has Stephen. So let's Talk about what's involved with that. So for those people who maybe didn't can, it's you do the Highland Fling at the start of the year, April-ish. You do the West Highland Way in June, the full race, and then you do the Devil of the Highlands in August, and that's your triple crown. Now, there's no long time between these events. So was my, my query, Nick, is did you do any other races? apart from the Triple Crown in 2022, as part of training, anything like that? Yes, I would have. I'm trying to remember what I did do. No, I did. I actually managed to. Um, I was doing obviously a few tra- little triathlons. Um, I would have done an ultra or two. You're now making me think back to what I did that year. But I had another big race that year because I had two big races. The Triple Crown was like the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. But the year before, I had two things on my wish list I always wanted to do to show I was over my injury. One was the West Helen Way race. 
And the second one, which I've always had, was to qualify for Europe as an age grouper in duathlon. And uh-huh. I did it, and I went to Bilbao last year um, and raced as Team GB age group. Fantastic. So, that was my two things. So we'll come to that, right? I'm writing it down to ask you about <laughs> that. Okay. Um, but let's talk about, and you've mentioned about the fling. You've mentioned about the, the devil briefly. So let's speak about the West Highland Way race because that's the that's the biggie in the middle in there, the big the big distance. How was your day out that day on the West Highland Way? Hmm. Started off okay. I remember all the way up to the likes of Otter Tower, met our friends, met our crew, brilliant. They were as I say my crew were, were on form. I have to thank them a lot. They dragged me through that race. Um the whole way, especially David and Alicia, who were doing the support driving around the whole thing, stuffing yeah. food into me at all points because, again, you're at that point where you think you can eat and then you realise you can't eat and you're in liquids. And yeah. it was he was just pouring like different flavoured milks into me to get everything down. And I think it was fine. And I remember leaving, I don't remember the weather changed. So Bridge of Orkey, it was make sure you've got your full body covered in your bag. And it was getting a bit grim. We got into Glencoe and it was full body cover must be worn. And we were getting battered. I remember at that point I was running with my beardy and we were, we were, we, he did the bridge of Orkey over to um, Kinloch Leaven with me. I remember trying to run past the King's house and we're like, there's no point running because I'm actually getting battered that much with the wind. And I'm not very big that actually walking was just as good. Yeah. But coming down into King's house, I just, Oh, I think I was just out of it. I was staggering about. I couldn't put one foot in front of the other. My eyes were trying to close. I saw a lovely digger and had a really nice bucket in the front of it. And I'm like, can I sleep in that? No. It's <laughs> like, come on, please. He was not letting me sleep in the bucket of the digger. It really did look comfy. <laughs> and we got to kind of lock leaving and I was like, I'm done. I need to lie down. I need to have a sleep. I'm like, like physically, I'm actually fine, but I just can't keep my eyes open. So I don't know who they spoke to, but basically I was given 15 minutes in a crash mat and that was it in the hall. And I quite literally just hit the deck and fell asleep. So they woke me up 15 minutes later, stripped me completely just about or that's what it felt and put a whole load of dry clothes on. And then Fend, uh, Fiona, she was taking over the last section. She quite literally just frog marched me out by the arm and just dragged me out to make me walk. And I remember seeing there was a big stag and it had its head down. It kind of looked even. And I'm like, there's a stag over there. She's like, you're hallucinating. I'm like, no, there's not. And then it lifted its head and the massive antler. She's like, okay, no, you're not. I still want a refund because I didn't actually hallucinate the whole time. I'm like, I really want a refund for that. And then we got up, um, up to... Um, out of Kinloch Leaven, which is really is the worst climb ever. And we just kind of chatted and just dragged our way along to um, Lindavra. And I yeah. remember the big roaring campfire there, and that was just amazing. And I just sat down, and I think the whole thing I've asked for at every every stop was, I want a cup of tea. And again, they had me a cup of tea, because that's all I just, just give me a cup of tea. And then we managed to run actually the last bit down um once we got into that horrible forestry track and i kept going to fiona i'm like are we nearly there she's like yeah just around the corner and we get in the corner we're like we're nearly there yeah it's just around the corner i'm like will you stop saying it's just around the corner i've gathered 3k later we're not just around the corner where is the end <laughs> <laughs> and we kept stopping for pictures because by this point i was like i'm just gonna stop take it in does the time does not matter it's totally irrelevant and then the good thing was got to the finish and the kids were there. It was like, you know, five in the morning, but the kids were there ready. 
they saw me running across the finish line and then the first thing my youngest said to me was mommy can we go out to bed now I'm like thanks thanks for that child <laughs> brilliant brilliant getting it done now way back at the start of that when you were talking about the thing about you think you'll always be able to eat and then that leaves you doesn't it somehow yeah because you, you got all the all the best laid out plans what was your what was going to be your plan to eat what was your strategy what were you thinking it's taken me a long time to work out what I can eat because I remember the first time I did the fling I I gave up eating it I think it was um being glass I just couldn't stomach anything so since then I've really worked on it on, on a lot of races and mm-hmm. I'm quite down to things like you know jam sandwiches porridges goods um bananas yogurts custard that side of things but bread that usually does work but I think you reach a point um where you just actually none of the solids work yeah and that was and I've never reached that before so now I know that at that point even just like chocolate milk or a yogurt that sort of thing can actually keep going down or runny porridge yeah and you met runny porridge yeah don't make it thick and gloopy make it kind of still a bit watery or milky so you can just drink ah I mean, they'll look very nice, but there's going in. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's a good shout. Um, sorry, I'm getting distracted. You're noting that down now, now right? Yeah, I'm, 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 well, I'm writing gloopy, gloopy porridge. Um, the, you mentioned that happened about Octa Tire. That's, is that the sort of distance that happened at when you met the crew? Yeah, it was not long after that. I was okay there, but definitely by Glencoe, uh, nothing uh-huh. was going down at all. And But with that, though... You mentioned about um, your crew who were, you said, all kinds of flavoured milk and stuff. Did you ever feel weak? Were you feeling weak or were you always feeling all right? I think I was, I was just feeling tired. I think the hardest part was just when you, you've been awake for so long. But you know, yeah. when I used to do like shift working and night shifts and you're like, I've been awake for 24 hours. I just can't keep my eyes open. That's the struggle. And it was more just the tiredness. But then like that you overcome it and by the time I was got to Lindavra I'd woken up again it was just that whole and I don't sure whether or not coming out the Kinloch leaving it was the dusk it was the changing in the lights that was just totally playing on my head that I just was I was just knackered. Aye see I think you were just on the cusp of hallucinating it's a pity Sam, you missed out on that it's a I pity did. you missed it you to go back um <laughs> there's plenty yeah. of other stuff you can do and longer stuff you can do to get that elusive hallucination brilliant though how did the so you said you you started at the end of 2019 it was then quite a wee wait for 2022 to come around and if we can take ourselves well that prize giving ceremony is always special with the west highland way but there's one other race to come and that's the devil the the highlands when you're you're doing that was that the second time doing that you said you've done it before yeah yeah second time second time doing that what did it feel like to be on the start line of the devil of the highlands, knowing, because I'm assuming you're knowing you're going to do this, you're going to achieve that goal of a triple crown. I think I really didn't achieve it because I remember when I was running over the devil's staircase, I was swearing quite a lot to Beardy saying I was not doing the devil of the highlands. I didn't really care. I didn't want the triple crown. I was knackered on why would I ever want to run this ever again. But then driving back down from Fort William, the sun was shining on it and it looked quite nice by that point. And then I changed my mind. I thought, obviously, I'll just do it. So because obviously I was never going to not do it. But at that time, it was not a good idea. I was not having it. Um, I think it was just knowing this is actually happening. 
I've only got you know that forty odd miles to go, and I will make it, and I will get this delusive mm. triple crown. Yeah, because it's so you went from I'm going to do that triple crown. I'm going to prove to myself that I can do that. To going up a double staircase, going you can ram your triple crown, and then coming out of that and coming back and then achieving it because it's quite a thing when you speak about three years later after having sitting at the top of that climb at a Kinloch leaving and saying to yourself I'm going to do the triple crown I'm going to do the West Island race mm-hmm. and then leaving the triple crown and coming back from that quite traumatic injury that you've you've had never mind the physical injury but you say bike meets vehicle and what's involved with that so you must have been really really proud of yourself I'm assuming when you got yeah. your, to the end of that rainbow arch yeah I think it's just knowing, if I've, to me, I've done it, I've recovered, that's it, I'm back to being me again. I can do mm. these things. So it's just proving a point to me, not really to anyone else, but just to me. Actually, I can do this. Brilliant. And that's a powerful thing you've just said there, because we only ever really race against ourselves, don't we? Yes, you know? that's it. So, so to prove that to you and to to come back... um. It's brilliant. I'm excited to think about what's next. But before we do that, let's talk about something else that you did. And um, you mentioned about that GB duathlon, European duathlon championships representing GB. What's it like? We always ask everybody who's represented their country. What's it like that getting that selection? It was amazing. I didn't actually think I would ever get it. I think especially following the accident, I was like, well, that's it. The bike's the bike's gone. I'm not going to get my biking back up. Will I ever get on a bike? Actually, as I say, lockdown was a blessing because nothing was on the roads. That's when I gained my mm. confidence back in the bikes. I went out on our country roads. There was no cars. And over time, I eventually gained just the confidence to go back on my bike because it's one of the things I could easily just never picked up a bike and go on again. But I was like, no, mm. this is not going to beat me. I will get back on my bike. I've had to, my bikes had to be adapted so I can use it um, because of this. But I was like, no, it's happening. And actually managing to do the qualifier and then getting that email saying I've made it was just phenomenal. And then when the kit came through, and I think the best bit was actually when you get there and you do the opening ceremony and with all the other GB athletes and you get the flag and you're like, I have actually done this. Because I never mm. thought I could do it, but I was like, I've, I've, I've made it. I've got that vest. What was that like? Sorry, the questions are now coming rapid into my brain, <laughs> right? What, what was that like for your family? Because they've they've went through this accident too. So what was that oh. like for them? I think for me, a lot of it is actually showing them, especially because I've said I've got two young girls that are now ten and fourteen. That actually you can do anything, and even when things do happen, things go wrong, you can get up you can work hard and it's not easy you know it's a lot of hours that are spent training or, or as I've been in of hospitals but showing that actually you can do these things if you put your mind to it you can do anything you really want to do um, and now my eldest um, she's 14 now and she's like when can I qualify how do I get to qualify what can mm. I do so that is actually her aim now is to get the tri-suit that I've got and with the GB on it so she can do it as an age grouper so that is what she's they just said that's what she wants to do the youngest one's not interested at all, but yeah, the big one is. Ah, maybe the youngest one's not yet. Her time might come, but there's no pressure, you know. Enjoy life. That's what <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about. But I think there was a 
a bit in there where you said uh, really it's about a minute long where you were talking about you can achieve anything you want to achieve yeah um if you're determined if you work hard we can we can do these things that was brilliant thank you very much for sharing that nick um talk about the championships how was your experience it was absolutely amazing um the hardest bit, first of all, for me, was actually trying to work out how to put my, take my bike to bits and put it in a bike box to fly. <laughs> I don't have a clue. And because my wrists don't work the best, it's not the easiest for me. So one of my friends came over, between the two of us, we got there. And then suddenly I found myself abroad in a hotel room trying to rebuild a bike. I was so <laughs> chuffed with myself, I managed to do it. I did go to the mechanics to go, can you please check I have built this correctly? Um, but it was actually fine. Um, so it was really good. And I went out just myself. But there was such an amazing atmosphere. And it's the same as running. You know, when you, you might go to the events yourself, but you end up meeting a like, group of like-minded people. Yeah. So, like, I don't have anyone, like, for me, I don't have anyone to go for dinner with or anything. And I was just welcomed in. And I just went out with randoms that are other tri-clubs that are now becoming my friends. Um, yeah. And we're all cheering each other on. It's, just, and it's the same as you do in the running community. It was just so warm and welcoming. And I think it's just... It was just an amazing experience and it's something I would love to do again if I can. Um, mm-hmm. Try to get another qualification and go back. But I think it was just the whole atmosphere. It was just it was just immense. Brilliant. And, and what was what's involved with the duathlon event itself? So duathlon, I've, um, I did the sprint one. So that's a shorter one because I just didn't think at that time I'd be fit enough to be able to qualify for a standard one so as um a sprint one is usually roughly um five kilometer run then about a 20 kilometer bike which in this course was quite literally they sent you about 300 meters up a hill so then turn around and cycle 300 meters down a hill and then the year ran um 2.5 kilometers to finish so it's a bit of a sprint finish at the mm. end um so that's the your sprint one and then the next level up standard is usually about a 10k run up to about a 40k bike and then a 5k run is the okay. usual so it's a mixture and how did how did you go on um i say i was sixth equal the results say i was seventh but i got exactly the same time as the person that was sixth and it was quite literally we crossed the line together and she flung herself over the line and a heap in front of me mm-hmm so I was mm-hmm. like, I'm claiming that as sixth equal. Sixth equal, the yeah. same. I'm going for sixth equal. So it's official. Yeah. Young Hearts Run Free have stamped it as official. Sixth equal. Well done. Well done. Now, we have the Triple Crown. Nailed it. The representing GB in the European Duathlon Championship. So what, well, what can you do in 2023? There's a wee thing called the Kelt Man, isn't there? Now, we've never spoke about the Kelt Man before. No on this podcast so can you tell us what's involved in the kelp man please yes now the kelp man there's two there's there's what they call the baby kelp kelp man and then there's a big kelp man now i opted for the baby kelp man but they say baby but it's baby in name but not actually in what it is so kelp man is an extreme triathlon it's ironman distance but it's not team like ironman so I'll explain what Sorry, I did for not, baby. Not theme like Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man's, well, I, I suppose it's all your mindset. But yeah, okay, okay. Perspectives. So I'll explain what I did for the baby one, and then I'll also explain kind of what the main kelp man is. So for baby kelp man, the swim was started at nice 5 a.m. in Shield Egg. Um, mm-hmm. 
and we did a allegedly 1.9k swim but it was actually 2.2 or 2.3k swim through lovely really cold jellyfish infested waters where you're kind of pushing them out the way looking at them oh, some people have got man. stung but let's just say i'm not a swimmer Wearing a wetsuit and gloves Aye. and booty and I'd put Vaseline on everything to try and stop nothing stinging me. Yeah. But, uh, this was the bit, uh, I'll, I'll explain the distances now. I'll come back so I'll tell a story. So then the next part is your bike ride. It was about 84 kilometres um, on that, but takes in, um, for the baby kilt man, you do Bielachnaba, so that's the highest road in Scotland. And then we had about 21k run through the mountains. So that's the baby for the big kelp man, the swim is it's double swim, double bike, and the there's two run courses. Either depending on your time you get, which will get you the blue t-shirt, you take in two Munros, or if you miss the cutoff for the blue t-shirt, you go kind of lower ground and that gets you the white t-shirt for the kelp man. So that's, it finishes in the marathon. Um, mm. But for me, kelp man was a very big thing. I'd always said if I hadn't got into the West telling me in 22, I would have gone and done baby kelp. But I did, and West Elmley was always my priority. So I was like, right, I'll try baby kelp, man. But given swimming hurts me because of my wrists, and I really do struggle with it, and I never knew, I was like, can I, the main part is the swim, I'm like, actually, can I do this? I was really worried. And I practised, and I managed to get up to 2K in the pool. It was sore, but I could do it. And eventually I was with my friends. She's Mary's brilliant. She just keeps dragging me out. You will come swimming in ABs. You will get out. You will get that, <laughs> that wetsuit. Do I have to? Can I not just like tidy the house or something and procrastinate? But she drags me. Um, and eventually practice. And the first time I was out in ABs, because um, the coldness really hurts my hands as well. It took me like 40 minutes to do 1K. And I'm like, I'm not going to make this one cut off. I'm just not going to be able to do this. And we just, every week we're back up practicing a little bit more. And I still wasn't sure, but I was like, I've just got to do it. I know the swim will be the hardest part for me, but as long as I can make that cut off, I'm fine on the rest. And they're my stronger ones. And for baby kelp, you're not supposed to get support um, in transition, but because the cold just affects me so badly with my hands now, they said I could have support to try and help me get changed, because otherwise I'd just be standing there going, I'd, my hands don't work, um, which was good. But the main thing was, I actually got out this, the swim, and the first thing Emily and Elder said to me was, Mummy, you weren't last. Said, Yay, not last at the water. <laughs> I survived. <laughs> and then got on the bike. And actually, from then on, which I suppose being last out of the water and being slow actually helps. It was my whole thing was I just start to pick people off. It's a little game I play in my head because mm -hmm. I can do these ones. I'm like, I'll just get the next person and the next person. But we got to oh, Bilak Naba. If anyone's ever driven up that and over to like Apple Gross, it's just kind of Chicane, it's good back and forward and back and forward up a hill. And at one point, we're cycling up four kilometres an hour. That's how steep it was. It was brutal. And then going downhill, but I'm still very weary going downhill. So I had the brakes on a lot going down just again. I just, I'm so scared of coming off and having another accident. I'm, I just can't do it. But again, I picked up loads on that one. And then the final one was when you got back, you, you cycled all the way over that and then to Torridon, left the bike there and then you picked up the run and it was a lovely, I'd say lovely, wasn't really, run up through um, kind of the valley and the mountains. So it was a really good elevation on it, but the weather turned and it was like driving rain and wind into the face. It was great. Just what you need. 
and then you come down to the final road section to run back in where the road feels like that you know that velcro where your shoes and the velcro and your st- oh and the headwinds it was brilliant um <laughs> but <laughs> i managed it and i took a few more places in that one so and the best thing was like you know seeing the family actually making the finish for that one they've got a bad habit of missing my finishes but they were there which is good um seeing that <laughs> They really have missed a few finishes. And, and one's a place then as well. Brilliant. They're really it bad. Happens, you know what? It happens frequently. Families All the time make it. it. Yeah. <laughs> but mine, mine aren't just like one offender. It's repeat offending. They do this. Um, but then just getting that T-shirt. And I'm like, I've done baby kelp, man. And I'm like, maybe I am a triathlete. I still don't believe I am. But I'm like, I actually managed to achieve it. Brilliant. So I think it's just set my mind and my mind just had to be for that was it was trying to work it actually how to swim but I had that determination mm. I'm like I am going to do it so it's, Kim was great we all need that kind of pal that drags us out and says come on you can do oh, yeah. this but I've got a couple of questions there the cold hands is that a result of your accident yeah yeah is there anything you can do about that like wear anything that will increase the circulation anything like that Really, what I do as soon as I can scrape back, I can tell just now the season's changed. I'm feeling it in my bones; they're getting sore. I can, really can. Um, now when I'm swimming, I wear my neoprene gloves, and then I'll put double gloves on. The same if I'm out running, I've just got to put gloves on or arm warmers. Anything yeah. that can keep my and like anything that's got weak wee thumb holes in it is perfect. It just keeps the wrist warm. Right, but then okay. I just really struggle with it. We had um, Neil McNichol on last week, and he was talking about buffalo mitts. I'm just, he says they were the best things that he'd, he'd say, well, come on to your favourite bit of kit in a wee minute. Um, but I, I, I also appreciate the fact that, that there's been an injury and things might be a wee bit different. And you mentioned about you were able to, you were allowed to get assistance coming out of the water. When you come out of the water, is it just like your hands are just like numb, nothing's they happening? just don't work. Yeah, they're yeah. totally numb. Um, that one just, it's like the movement, no, you, you don't normally be able to like move your hands. It's just like, it just doesn't work. It's just... They're not really there. So if you're trying to like fasten or unzip, you just have not yeah, got the grip. There's just there's, not yeah. that dexterity anymore. Yeah, that's the word I was thinking of. Thank you for doing that. I was thinking, what's that word? Starts with <laughs> a D. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I'm interested as well. You mentioned there about that strategy of picking people off, whether that's on the bike or whether that's running. That's a great mental game to keep you going, to drive you on. Is that some, sorry, do you do that running as well? Or is that on the bike specifically you're doing that? For that one at Keltman, because I was so far behind coming out of the pool, I did it on at the um, water, I did it on the bike and the run. Right, okay. So I could do it on that on that one. Normally, like in a, in a normal race, I wouldn't, I'm just where I am and I'll try to get people. But especially in triathlon, because I'm one of the slower people in the water, I'd have that opportunity to start taking people. Whereas my friend that I mentioned that drags me out swimming because she's a good swimmer, she says she absolutely hates it because she knows I'm coming from behind and she tries <laughs> to work out how long she can hold me off yeah. until I come and catch her. So her game's the other way. She's like, I know they're yeah. coming. I'm going to hold them off. Whereas I'm like, I'm coming to get you. But that'll, dri- that'll drive her on. Uh-huh. But she's been hunted all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it must be awful. <laughs> Just waiting on that moment coming. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. And... We spoke about um, food and gloopy porridge and things like that. Is it different on a bike? Where was you feeding yourself on a bike? How do you? What's your strategy then? 
it's actually easier to eat more solids, I find, on the bike. But I'll also uh-huh. just stick gels in. And recently, I've just tried foam bars, and they're quite good. So yeah. they're my new ones that I'm just starting to try a bit more. And I've got these this weekend, but I'll try them again and see what they're like. Um, so really, it's just a mixture. But on the bike, definitely, I can take more solids. Yeah, um, we've had quite a bit with the foam stuff. It's a bit like tablet texture, isn't it? Uh-huh. But it gets your carbs in. It's a whole new world opening up with all these new products that oh, people yeah. are talking about as well. So, But I think the thing is, it's trial and error. You find out what works for you and then you test them out. Our question sets, but not a hell, Nick. But we're all right. <laughs> right. We're, ab- we're absolutely cool with that. So I mentioned Kit about um, Neil spoke about his buffalo mitts. What's Nick Dawson's favourite bit of Kit? Mine is my visor. I have it with me here. Ah. But this is my visor number two. I love my running, like my my cap visor um okay. i just like is that, my is that compressor sport that one? that one is yeah um i like this one because um it's not got the wee bit of velcro at the back because the wee bit of velcro at the back always stuck in my hair and it really bugged me because i take half my hair out at the time so that one's just quite comfy because it's just kind of elastic all the way around the back okay. um but it's great because i wear glasses it helps keep the rain i can actually see it fits under a bike helmet well it so, means yeah. if it's hot I'm still my ear can get to my head yeah. um and I still just wear it in the winter too I did have a slight accident where I kind of lost I think everyone must have heard this in my running group about the visor because I was running off the back of Dumgoyne Hill coming down it's quite windy and it went up and I watched it go around the corner <laughs> and I was like well that's gone then and I've tried to look for it a few times and I'm sure there'll be some sheep up there that's wearing it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I lost my beloved visor. I was I was grumpy for a long time, so I now have my replacement visor. Any listeners that are good with Photoshop, <laughs> if you can provide us a photo of a sheep with a visor, that would be much appreciated. So was that visor number one that went away? Yeah, that was visor number one that went way around the back of Dumgoyne Hill. So okay. if anyone's up Dumgoyne Hill and finds a black compress visor, I'd still quite like it back. Yeah, that's Nick's favourite, and she would like she would, mm-hmm. she would maybe give you a wee packet of biscuits or something if you could yeah. find that. That'd be brilliant. Thank you. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, the visor. Yeah, a lot of people are torn between a hat or a visor, but the, the I get the visor thing because it allows air in, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it allows air in as well, and hats can sometimes get a wee bit hot too, but each to their own. Each to their own, no problem at all, that's fine. Now, we mu- I mentioned in the introduction about um, Epic Trail, running do you want to say a wee bit about that we'll mention more guy but do you want yes. to say a wee bit about epic trail running and how people can get involved if they want to yeah so epic trails i set this up just over three years now um so i used to do guided trail running for trail face and i'm sure a lot of people who listen will have either been in one of the trail face guided runs or been to some of the races and that was run by the fabulous ryan and joe um, Ryan and Joe eventually moved over to Chamonix um, and I was they were still doing all the behind the scenes things and I was one of their guided trail runners here and I did all the ones from Mogai. Um, when Covid hit for them I think it just seemed natural the right time to stop um, trail fest but a lot of people were going to me well what's happened with the runs? Who's doing the runs? What, but we want to go out running and I'm like right okay I still live in Mogai, I still run, I can still guide you, you can work out what happened. So <laughs> I set up Epic Trails at the time, as I said, it was through COVID. So really, I set it up, first and foremost, at that point, not knowing what was going to happen. As a way, I could share pictures, I could share posts. 
I could show people what's ha- what's round about if people wanted to go out exploring a wee bit more because I did know the routes. I could also just share, you know, I'm a mum, I go out running, I'm still working full time, everything that I do, just to try and really encourage people out. And then once restrictions lifted, I was like, right, I'll set up the um, a proper guided runs. Um, I had to work out how technology actually worked to do like booking systems and things. And for the first year, because people were going to be, you know, had been furloughed, restrictions were on, restrictions were off, I did them all for free. So that was basically, it's every Thursday, still is, every Thursday, seven o'clock from Mulgai train station, we go out. Um, then after the first year, I was like, right, what I'll do is I'll actually start charging. But I make no money out of this. Every bit of penny we get, we actually put it back into charity. And it's always ones that are close to our heart, like, you know, Mountain Rescue have got have had money or some of the local charities round about that some of the runners have got close affiliations with. So everything goes back out um, to them. So it's been running three years now and it's all booked via Entry Central. So we do six. The first one of the month is always a 6K. Then I'll do 8, 10, 8, 10. And we're usually kind of the end of the month, we'll do like an on-tour one. We'll try to go somewhere else. And the trails are all kind of West Highland Way, Coastal Path, Mugduck. And really, it's not for fast running. It's not to go look how great I am on the trails. It's to get people who want to come out, experience the trails, try running them with another kind of like-minded people. Um, we do it all year round. So we want to try running with head torches. Maybe don't feel as confident in the dark when out running themselves. It's for them just to come along. Um and we've got an absolutely amazing group that I've started and I think I'm a bad influence on them because I managed to, they somehow seem to kind up for the Mori um, 100 relay race. Yep. And now somehow I seem to have a few of them doing the noon ultra in a couple of weeks time. Ah, so they're really, they're really blaming me for getting them into ultra running when they only wanted to come and do like an 8k run. Um, so it's, they're just a good group of people and that's what it all is all about it's just encouraging people out running um and say so I've, I've got a facebook instagram i've also set up a website and i put up a lot there of routes that i've done or races i've done so people want to see what what they were like i've got my wee write-ups there as well so people can go and find out more about them yeah well i've been on that website as part of our world famous young hearts run free research and i've i love the the, the trails page I think, let me have a quick check and go back up. I've got them just now. There's 57 different oh. trails on there. Some of the things that you've done, um, I've done a few of them. But you know what? I've signed up in February to do the a garden trail race that ran for the first time yeah. this, this year. And I've been I've only found a couple of wee race reports, but I was looking at yours today. So thank a personal thank you very much for doing that. And we'll post the link to your website as well. But there's some brilliant stuff in there. One of the ones that's been on my mind for a long time is that Lahossian one so I'm going to go and have a wee, have a wee delve into that I love the fact that some of your the people that come running with you are going away to be doing things like that Mori really or the Danun Ultra and you know what there, I think there's a fair there's a fair bit of well you know what if she can do it if he can do it if they can do it I can do it it's that inspirational oh. stuff that's happening all the time um so you mentioned it's on a Thursday night. Thursday night, 7pm. Um, always goes from Mogai train station and they we vary the, the route distances, 6, 8, 10. I'll just say just now, it's never 6, 8, 10. I like value for money, so you'll get at least 10% extra free on the distance. Yeah, Minimum. Brilliant. 
Brilliant. So they, they always know, right, eight's not eight, eight could be nine. If we get slightly detoured, it could be near a ten. But I'll try to make it not ridiculous. I have got a bad habit of that. Um, so, yeah, there's always value for money. And it's always just fun and it's a good chat, really. Yeah. So it might be eight-ish. It's always an ish. It's always There's an always an ish. That's, that's brilliant. That's what we like. That's what we like. So we will certainly, we'll post the, the link to that that website and I think it's great and you know what even just hearing the words we started Mogai train station man I just my heart starts going come on because <laughs> we know what happens there in June don't yeah, we that's, 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 where it. All, that's where it all kicks off brilliant okay so that's talking about epic trails and how people can get involved with that what about what's happening next for you Nick what's the plans a couple of things on the go Obviously, I mentioned that I started changing my coaching and doing tri coaching. I've actually just last weekend was my first weekend on my coaching running fitness course as well. Okay. So that finishes in January um, because a lot of people ask me if I can write them training plans. And although I've got my triathlon qualifications, I've also done another one that I decided I was going to do. It was my personal training one. I've got that too. I wanted to get this qualification just so I've got the full breadth covering it all that I can actually do more specific run coaching because I know I do all these races and people I think I suppose it's more coming going I get you you're a, you're like you know another mum you run you get life you understand could you write my program so that's what I'd like to kind of help people um come next year to not like loads of them but just some um, so that's more kind of on the actual coaching side and then I managed it's taken me three years but I've got into Lakeland 50 so that's my next one I've got next year so I'm quite looking forward oh, to doing Lakeland brilliant so two things let me just okay, yeah okay I'm there um, the coaching thing will you make that available via your website how's that going to happen yeah, I have to work it out. I have to get some technical person to help me because I am useless. But yeah, uh, when when I get there, it'll be all on the website, on the Facebook. I'll advertise how people can get in contact with me once, I, okay. once I'm there. Yes. Brilliant, brilliant. And Lakeland 50, I might open up a wee weekly segment about this because I'm also going to the next this year so we can form a friendship group. Um, maybe we could do that. Um, what's the appeal of the lakes? You've been before. Yeah, I've been down before. I've done the lap. I did, I've actually done it twice. Um, mm. Really enjoyed it. Although, just say, just this is totally digressing. The lap, amazing race, amazing food. All the checkpoints, if anyone's ever done it. But the lap caught, taught me one big life lesson in relation to kit. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first time I did the lap, it was an amazing September. Brilliant weather. Ran around it, shorts and t-shirt. Didn't need my drop bag at halfway. Didn't even bother. I then did it the following, I think it's May time. Oh my goodness. Now, the weather hadn't been good, so I put in a full change of clothes for half. Now, when I got to the top, you're thinking May time, it's not going to be too bad. Top of the first climb, the wind, the driving wind, the driving rain, everything was awful. You know, I had the waterproof jacket on from the start. But I could feel myself turning like blue, you know, the way you can feel your lips going, I'm getting yeah. cold. I was like, I'm going to have to put waterproof trousers on. So I put them on, trying to keep myself warm. Um... I got to the halfway point. I did like a complete change of clothes. You know, I was you know, trying to hold that cup of tea or the soup that they give you, like shaking, trying to actually keep it in the cup. But just because I was so cold, but I managed to keep going. But the amount of people in that race, they came out and I saw, especially guys, I don't know what is it with you guys, but didn't put on their trousers don't, or like getting their kit on quicker. Mm-hmm. And then I realised, 
actually how much of benefit and how much actually having that full kit because so many people get taken out with hypothermia or feeling the cold and didn't finish it yeah i was like right i now understand why we must carry the kit at all times yeah definitely and i think it's quite a hefty kit for the leaks you know, and I think we've discussed this. Stephen and I did a sort of wee, what do you call it, a spin-off series, like with some bloody big thing. Well, not a big thing, um, but we, we we did a spin-off thing called Access All Areas for the race directors of the Lakeland 50. And a number of people that we spoke to were saying that, that you might not use all your kit, but see if you need it and you've not got it, you could be in mm. trouble. So that is a valuable lesson. Another valuable lesson is, See when it starts raining, put your jacket on. You know, oh. well, leave it till it's too late. Exactly, aye. So that's good, and that lesson will stand you in good stead. So you've done the lap clockwise and counterclockwise, because they, sw- oh, they switch only, it. Don't... I've only done it clockwise twice. I need to ah. go back and do it anti-clockwise. You do. You definitely I have need to, to do, do the anti-clockwise because then it'll be totally different. I know it's the same race, but it's totally different. So I need to go back and do it anti-clockwise. But I really enjoyed it. And I love seeing the, the scenery. So I was like, no, I want to go and explore more of the lakes and see what else there is. And that's why Lake Winds always appealed to me. Brilliant. So we'll all be at the big party Yay. end of July next year. Awesome. Really look forward to that. I also love meeting people face to face that we're spoken to in the podcast. So let's make a date of that. When we're down in Coniston next day, next summer time. We have two very important questions to finish off. The the first one is normally Stephen's one. He gets to ask people about the dialect dictionary. This is this may be the first time I've actually asked anybody, maybe not, because I get confused at times. Um about a word from I suppose it's a word from your life. It's not about you mentioned about growing up in, in Ayrshire, you now live in Mulgai. But what word would Nick Dawson like to add into the dialect dictionary for our listeners? Oh, I was having a think about this. This was hard. Because I'm <laughs> like, which words usually describe me, which are usually mock it, minging, bogging, because that's how usually I'm found, because I'm usually come back, I'm never dry, I fall over. I'm usually found in a bog, in the <laughs> muds. I can't keep upright on my feet. I am disgusting. But then... Uh, it's probably not even to do with me. It's just a word I like, and I just like the word glaker. I don't know why I just like it. You know what? Basically, had... basically a numpty. <laughs> just like ah, oh man, you're you're on a roll. We actually had <laughs> we actually had glaker last week. Neil McNichol came out with glaker last week. I know, but... but it's great minds, but I just like the words. Yeah, but what you've just said there is manket bog and ming and glaker numpty. That's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Take your pick. So maybe we'll just me, lash them the time, on. That's usually me. I'll Brilliant. myself as the numpty. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The final question to wrap us up is what version are we on? The Buff Buff Collection Volume 5, I think, is our latest playlist that we ask people to suggest a song that other listeners might like to listen to at the end of a podcast when they're actually when they're out in the run we also create a big one big playlist that everybody can listen to as well it's a very eclectic mix it's got a bit of everything in there nick what would you put in this for will listening? make it very eclectic when it comes come on then let's now, go again i had a thought about this because i do like my george ezra but then i do like a bit of like um one for the sons but I was like, the song which really gets me going, which will probably explain a bit of my Ayrshire roots, cruising along the front as a youngster. Um, I like a bit of Scooter with Fire. Scooter. 
and fire. I, I know I've heard the scooter, but I've not heard that song fire. So this is going to be a bit of a journey for me. There you go. <laughs> I can I can sort of just imagine what it's like. So it's going to be up tempo. It's going to get be getting the heart pumping. One of them. Oh yes. Brilliant. Okay, we'll get that. We'll get that added to the playlist. Nick, this has felt like a fifteen-minute chat. I think we're we're coming up for about an hour. So, oh, yeah. but it's felt like a bit of fifteen-minute chat. We're going to be. We should say we're recording this on Thursday night, and Nick is now preparing to go out and do that guided run. Yeah. Where and and at my guide train station in the next half an hour to forty minutes, yeah. you're going to going to be going to do that. It's been a journey. I've it's been brilliant, but I've thoroughly enjoyed you speaking about what's happened from your I'm going to call it pre-accident days right yes because when you were speaking about your tennis and, and then the sort of things you were doing I said there was two accidents because there was yeah. a foot thing there was a foot thing and then there was the wrist thing but there's been a transition between each of these here we go mm. I'm talking about transitions like I'm a triathlete there you, go. you go but there's been transitions from different sports and distances and disciplines what i've taken from this though is that i think i used the word bounce back ability and resilience but it's that adapting to where you are and what you can do working hard to do it the best that you can i think it's a great great role model for your kids absolutely fantastic and for young and for not just young women for women in general that you're we can do great things you know and I've loved how you've described all of that. And I, I sort of love as well how you're not finished. You know what I mean? There's still aspirations. There's still more you want to do. And equally, there's that bit about, you mentioned about the running community and you spoke about your time when you were in away with the, the GB and Bilbao. Bil, you went yourself, but you never, you were never alone because you make pals, you know? And I think one of the things about the running community that we've discussed many, many times is that people are so welcoming. But where I'm going with this is a bit about your giving back as well with Epic Trails. There's a lot of great information on that website. There's the guided runs. It's getting people involved and it's changing lives and it's helping them helping them achieve great things too. So thank you for being so inspirational, Nick. That's what no, I'm trying to it, it took me a while to get my words out. But <laughs> That, I should have said that in a, in a short sentence, but I'm glad I never, because I think it is inspirational what you've done. So I've really enjoyed your chat and thank you for coming on to Young Hearts Run Free and sharing some time with us. Well, thanks for having me. Hope you enjoy your run tonight. Chili thank you. I try not to fall on a bog. Chili Fire! The radical 
Fire! 